Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Welcome to San Francisco City Insider, the San Francisco Chronicle podcast on the people and politics making headlines in the city by the bay. I'm Chronicle columnist Heather Knight, and I'm here today with City Hall reporter Dominic Fracasa. We're talking about last night's election, which has one theme, razor-close results. We don't know yet who will be the city's DA, its District 5 supervisor, or whether Uber and Lyft rides will be taxed. But we do know some results, including that Mayor London Breed has won her first four-year term. Dominic Fracasa, thanks for being here so early after election night. (laughs) Thanks so much for having me. Coffee helps. (laughs) I know you were up late last night. Um, So there's lots to talk about, although there are a few actual results, unfortunately. Um, Biggest, most important race on the ballot for district attorney. That was between four strong contenders. And um, it went back and forth last night several times between um, interim DA Susie Loftus and progressive public defender Chase Boudin. Yep. Where are we at now with that? We don't know. No, we know we know a little <laughs> In bit. A word. Yeah, we know a little bit. So, just as a quick kind of like theme, I guess, to this conversation about races that we're still watching, races that haven't been decided, it really all comes down to the fact that you know San Franciscans love to vote by mail, and they love to drop their vote by mail ballots on election day at their polling places or at city hall. And it takes physical time to open those ballots, sort the cards. I think there were two um, Mm -hmm. across the city in in this case. It just takes time to process all of those. And if we want every vote to count, we've got to expend the time to do it. So looking at the district attorney's race, it is razor thin. There is a little over 200 votes separating uh, the two front runners, Susie Loftus from Chase Boudin. Susie leads 50.13% to Chase's 49.87. It really doesn't get much closer than that. And that's taking into account ranked choice voting. A hundred percent. That's right. And there, we're, we're seeing more and more. Every day is going to give us more data and more interesting information. But we were talking just before we went online here, Heather, mm-hmm. that there's been some interesting developments there. We, we didn't expect a lot of uh, a Nancy Tung, another district attorney contender. We didn't expect a lot of her uh, uh, her second and third place votes to go to Chase Boudin. They seem very ideologically opposed. And yet some of the number crunching seems to reveal that, in fact, you know, if, if, it, if not Nancy, people were still in interested in Chesa, which is a weird development, interesting development. Yeah, we couldn't quite figure that out. We were looking at the Department of Elections results so far, and um, Leif Douch appears to get eliminated first, and then Nancy Tung will get eliminated. Uh, And so far of her second choice votes, 10,135 go to Susie Loftus and 8,525 go to Chesa, which is a lot closer than we would have expected. We expected Susie Loftus to get the vast majority of those second choices. Yeah, the, the, the Leaf and Nancy and Susie uh, uh, they just seem more ideologically ideologically aligned, mm-hmm. and and uh, but you know this is San Francisco. You never quite know. And <laughs> Chesa had raised a lot of money, and he you know has this uh, kind of uh, charismatic, influential personality and a message that I think resonated with a lot of people around a sort of progressive district attorney agenda. So yeah, 
can't count him out, that's for sure. He really put in a lot of hours. I saw him all over the place. Yes. Um, yesterday morning, I took my son to his orthodontia appointment in West Portal, and there was Chase Bodine in front of the muni station um, handing out his flyers and talking to everybody who walked past him. So. I, I think everybody in a, a hotly contested race, of course, we had a lot of folks who ran unopposed. We had the mayor, of course, getting you know reelected, facing very minimal organized opposition. Uh, 4 a.m. was, I think, the designated start time for anybody who was still working to get out the vote on the last day. I heard that from a number of campaigns. Yeah. It appears that if this was a traditional race, Chasa might win, at least if it's just simply first t- first place yeah. votes. But yeah. ranked choice voting might actually be damaging to him. Yeah. And it kept Mark Leno in the race in the last in the last mayoral election. You know what I mean? For mm-hmm. days and days and days, picking up all of Jane Kim's second place votes. So mm-hmm. we'll see. We will see. Um and then we've got another neck and neck uh, race is for District 5 on the Board of Supervisors. That is between incumbent Valley, Bl- Valley Brown, who was appointed by Mayor London Breed to her own seat on the Board of Supervisors when she vacated that for Room 200, versus progressive tenant rights activist Dean Preston. What is happening there? Another super close race. Um, they right now, uh, Dean Preston is just a touch ahead uh, with a little over with nearly fifty one percent of the vote, and Valley's right behind with forty nine. Again, this is just over two hundred votes separating the two of them. Mm-hmm. So it's really all going to come down to the wire. And it, it, it it's uh, one thing that we haven't mentioned yet is the fact that just a couple of hours ago, we learned from our uh, director of the Department of Elections uh, that there is about. Roughly 70,000 ballots yet to cast. And that's going to have a real impact in yet the district. Yet to count. Yet to count. Excuse me. Excuse me. Yes. They've been cast. They have been cast. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. It's the day after election day. I would certainly hope so. Uh, sorry. But let left to count. Um, that could take a couple of days. And that is going to have undoubtedly the biggest impact in the district attorney's race and certainly an impact in the D5 race as well. But you only get to vote in the D5 race if you're a D5, you know, mm-hmm. resident, D5 mm-hmm. voter. But um, you better believe that those campaigns are going to be watching those results uh, very, very closely. And that one could also be affected by ranked choice voting because there were a couple of other candidates on the ballot that nobody ever talked about because, you know, they were just very, very minor candidates. But they were with it being so close, those people's second and third choice votes could actually come into play. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that's what we're going to be looking to see. We're waiting for four o'clock today, Wednesday, uh, for the first sort of um, post-election day results to come out from the Department of Elections. So seeing where those votes got distributed, who kind of has a little bit more community cachet, if you will, or mm-hmm. whose sort of messages resonated with District 5 voters, I think is going to be very interesting to see kind of the, the direction that those second choice um, uh, votes flowed. Mm-hmm. And there was the classic October surprise in that race with right. a story uh, that came out um, about an eviction that Valley Brown did. Can you tell me about that story and whether you think it made a difference in the results? Yeah, the second question is the, is really interesting to me, and I don't I don't think I know the answer to it. But in a nutshell, what happened was, uh, uh, you know, Dean's campaign sort of came out with some information that when Valley Brown went in with some friends, I think about 25 years ago, to buy a house in San Francisco, they ended up evicting the existing tenants there, which was a number of, Af- I think, an African-American mother and her son and another gentleman who were booted out of that house. The initial sort of um, uh, line from the Valley Brown campaign and from Valley herself was that, 
they weren't paying rent. They were essentially deadbeats. Um, squatters, she didn't, yeah. They were squatters in a, in a house that needed a lot of help to, you know, be livable again. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, media found the receipts, literally, mm-hmm. as it were. <laughs> they found the receipts that showed that these people were paying rent on time. And it really did not put a good light on Valley Brown. At, at a time in San Francisco in which tenancy and evictions and, you know, p- impoverished people struggling to stay in the city is such a is such a, a tangible and, and sort of potent, you know, mm-hmm. storyline in San Francisco right now. It, it really did not bear well. And it, you know, it's certainly fitting for Dean being a tenant's rights attorney and a guy who, you know, uh, um, is, a, is a real crusader for that, mm-hmm. um, to, to, for, the, for this to be the narrative that evolved in District 5. Your second question, does it make any difference? I really don't know. I don't know to what extent people were on the fence in that district. Valley has been in the community for years and years. Mm-hmm. She was um, a, uh, a legislative aide to former D5 supervisor Ross Mirkarimi and to later uh, supervisor London Breed. So she certainly knows the community. Uh, Dean is, you know, an influential and uh, um, uh, an influential uh, attorney and I said tenants rights activist who's ran a couple of times for this seat, lost to London Breed. Mm-hmm. Um, and and he really has been running with kind of the wind in his sails uh, behind the D- uh, democratic socialist movement, which mm-hmm. he's aligned himself with and who's uh, certainly come out to, to, to back him. So and I think that's exactly why this race is so close. Whether or not the eviction story hurt, whether or not that changed anybody's mind, mm-hmm. I, I really don't know. And that I think will be interesting to see in the kind of um, the kind of autopsy of this particular race when, when it's time for that. Yeah. I think if uh, even though Mayor London Breed is assured of four more years in office now, I think it will be her worst nightmare come true if Dean oh. Preston is on the board of supervisors. They have a seem to have a personal thing against each other because they faced off against each other when she was a supervisor. And um, you can see her face when his name comes up. It's not, yeah, not it, it, it sort of uh, steals up a little bit. Yeah. London Breed has a very a nice smile mm-hmm. and it sort of goes away when Dean Preston's name kind of enters the conversation very quickly. Fair um, to say she grimaces. A, a grimace is the right <laughs> word. That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, I think if a D- Dean Preston on the board of supervisors is going to add a another very strong, you know, quote unquote, progressive voice to that board of which they already have a majority. You know, they could you could start thinking about veto overriding votes with mm-hmm. him on the board. You know, this sort of, um, you know, collection right now of progressive supervisors. That's not that's not out of the question. That matters when it comes to things like housing. D- mm-hmm. Dean Preston does not does not like, I think it's fair to say, market rate housing. You know, he's the type of person who believes that market rate development leads to wealthy people gentrifying neighborhoods in San Francisco. And that that there is undoubtedly truth to that. But, you know, in 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 a city where we fight tooth and nail over every single housing project, you know, his is going to be a voice for greater rates of affordability, which is important. I'm not saying like that's the wrong way to go. But uh, all of these concessions that that can often make it more difficult for projects to pencil out, that's kind of the direction we can expect to see in a, as a, in a Dean Preston supervisorial seat, which is contrary, again, to the mayor's sort of build more, build it faster mantra that she's had since she was a, a candidate. Mm-hmm. And already the board has a progressive majority and um, could be argued that the strongest members of it are the most far left progressives. I'm thinking of Matt Haney, Hillary Ronan, the ones who are coming out with the most proposals um, in contrast to the mayor and her yeah. priorities. And I think he would be another one in that category. Totally. These mental go- Health SF, closing juvenile hall. Yeah. The future of the mental health SF proposal, which is a Haney and Ronan proposal and is sort of uh, a dueling one with a, you know, not dissimilar initiative that the mayor has rolled out to address behavioral health and addiction on San Francisco streets. Yeah. That, that's exactly the kind of thing you're going to see this quicker glomming on this sort of like almost immediate uh, um, faction that will mm-hmm. be able to sort of assemble when they need to oppose something that the mayor has put forward mm-hmm. or whether they want to put something forward themselves 
themselves that they can kind of push through with the kind of majority they have legislatively and even maybe override a veto. That doesn't happen a lot in San yeah. Francisco, but this is uh, this is becoming more and more of a possibility, again, in a Dean Preston. It's going to make the mayor's life a lot harder. If he's- yeah, precisely. Precisely. You're listening to my election roundup with Dominic Fracasa. We'll talk about the propositions on the ballot right after this. I'm back with Dominic Fracasa talking about last night's election. Another very tight race is Proposition D. This is, I think, the tightest of all. Just a handful of votes, right? So yeah, it sort of tell I me think, what it would do and how close it is. Sort of surprised a lot of us, I think, with how tight it was because it didn't really get a lot of. There wasn't a lot of talk about it. There wasn't a lot of fanfare. So this is essentially a measure that would impose a tax on Uber and Lyft rides. This was the brainchild of Supervisor Aaron Peskin and his staff, who want to basically tax you know, these ride share rides, if you will, in order to fund about $30 million a year of transit improvements. And when in a city where it costs $80 million to build a dog pound, you can imagine mm-hmm. like how far that money will stretch or not stretch. But nevertheless, he brokered this measure. He basically got Uber and Lyft to agree to the tax thresholds, which is based on the type of ride and, and you know, various various kind of slides. Is this tax going to hit riders or the companies? I, I, that's a great question. I mean, it is a per ride tax that the companies would have to pay for. I don't see how you avoid putting that on the backs of drivers Saying, mm-hmm. oh, or excuse me, putting it on the backs of drivers and riders mm-hmm. for that matter. If you, you know, I think after if Prop D passes, you will in fact see you know higher Lyft and Uber charges. I don't mm-hmm. know if they. Although on the other hand, thirty million dollars between the two of them is chump change. Yeah. you know what I mean. That's not a lot of money for these very well healed companies. Nevertheless, uh, Aaron Peskin got them to agree to it, or probably more accurate to say, he agreed to get them to not fight it mm-hmm. uh, and spend money against it. And so it sort of quietly went on the ballot. Um, it is right now at sixty six point six. It needs a two-thirds majority, 67% essentially, to pass. So it is, it's really, really on the line. A real handful of votes is going to make a difference right now. It's going to make a huge difference. And four o'clock is going to make a huge difference for that. So I'm not Mm -hmm. sure what the opposition was exactly. People might say, yeah, I don't really want to pay more for Uber and Lyft. Those prices have been going up steadily. Mm -hmm. And uh, that may have well contributed to the tough time it's having. Mm -hmm. Um, Proposition A, which would dedicate $600 million to build affordable housing, is also also very close right now. It also needs two thirds. It's narrowly winning. Yeah, it is. It's right now it has 69.5% yes votes, which I know sort of intuitively you think like, oh, well, it got past the two thirds threshold that it needed to pass. Mm-hmm. So it should be all good. Unfortunately, that's just not the case. We we have, again, thousands of more ballots that, are be, that will be counted today that could sort of proportionally offset that that slim lead that it mm-hmm. has. So it's looking a little bit more rosy. There was a huge, you know, a, a base of support among San Francisco politicos and and affordable housing developers. It raised like two million dollars to to fund, you know, yes on the yes on a campaign, uh, and a lot of that came from affordable housing developers. But uh, I, I think it's looking a, a little bit rosier for that because of all of the support that it did have. But again, that is it, it's it's too close to call at this point too. Mm-hmm. Then we have um, Mayor London Breed was on the ballot for a four-year term. She had already won to uh, finish the late Mayor Ed Lee's term, but this was her first time going for her own full term, and she is winning uh, 68%. She has won, but she it has. wasn't um, wasn't really a resounding uh, vote of support considering she didn't really have any challengers. Yeah. So 32% of San Franciscans who voted did not choose her, even though she was really the only viable Actual, yeah yeah, yeah can, a candidate with organization and funding and of at least a name plan yeah and especially name recognition so 
I, I think what's interesting about that one too, if you look at after the rank choice calculations are that I always sort of imagine it as a gigantic lever that gets pulled. That's not true, but I mm-hmm. like to picture it that way. After that occurs, we we come to the fact that there were almost 13,000 mayoral um, ballots, if you will, or the, the mayoral contest was left blank on almost 13,000 ballots, mm-hmm. which is kind of wild. That means, I mean, that's, there might be people who just said, well, the heck with it. I'm not even going to bother, I guess, filling in a bubble. But at the but same if time, you went to vote, you if would... you went to vote and you're there, I, that strikes me as more likely to be, you know, 13,000 people who gave a explicit vote of no confidence mm-hmm. and didn't feel like voting for any of the other folks either. So that's just something to keep in mind, you know, that mm-hmm. that that the percentage of her win was definitely, I think, kind of an indirect measure of how people feel about her right mm-hmm. now. Being the only one on the ballot, you would expect a little bit more resounding. But we know that, you know, polls show people think the city's not going in the right direction. They have problems with her performance over the past 15 months. So I, I think that she knows that she needs to, to you, you know, really kick it off in these next four years. And she's she's got the runway to do it, right? Mm-hmm. You know, how much could she get done in 15 months? It, it You know, reasonable people could disagree. Um, and, and I have heard from some people as well that there was a little bit of caution in how big she could go in these first, you know, year year plus in office. If she really screwed up, if she really stepped in it, you know, if if you know she couldn't uh, uh, she couldn't get it together at all, that number might well have been lower. And I think she she doesn't like to lose. I think mm-hmm. that's one thing. I mean, nobody likes to lose, but London Breed really doesn't like mm-hmm. to lose. And so that might have played into played into her and her administration strategy to date. Um, just taking a look at the other offices who didn't have any real competition. Yeah, here. city attorney, public defender, sheriff, treasurer, all got in the well into the 90 percent. So it is notable that she has 68. Yeah. And it helps to be the only name on on there, I suppose. Um, There are people who are really disappointed with that, by the way, which, you know, just people saying like, look, Dennis Herrera is doing a a fine job and he deserves another shot, perhaps. But we don't even have any sort of like battle of ideas here. Mm -hmm. You know, same with the sheriff. That's a very troubled department, Mm -hmm. you know, that Vicki Hennessy is the sheriff. Vicki Hennessy is leaving. And we didn't have we had briefly a two person race. One of them dropped out months ago Mm -hmm. and Paul Miyamoto just sailed right in. And we don't really know a whole lot about his platform or his visions for the 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 department that he's been a part of. We've got to get him on the podcast. That's the plan. Then we'll figure it out. We need to know where his favorite place is for a burrito. <laughs> First and foremost. Then we'll get to the jail stuff. <laughs> um, so what's next? You're going to be in the basement of City Hall pretty much every day at 4 p.m. from here on out? Pretty much. That's the plan. Yeah, me and uh, uh, all the rest of the media scrum uh, will assemble there every day at 4 p.m., like you said, is when the results will come out. There is, you know, there is not going to be nearly as many ballots cast in this election than there were for the la- in the last mayoral election, mm-hmm. where where I forget the number exactly, but turnout there was pretty overwhelming. It was it was quite surprising and heartening from a person who enjoys the democratic process. <laughs> but there's not going to be that many, so I think that. I think that this will go a little bit faster. I think we're in for a couple of days of results. And I think the race is, I don't think anybody's going to pull way, way ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I remember that there was a slow start to the counting in that last mayoral race that dragged down, I think, for about eight straight days. They got up to about twenty to 25,000 a day. So if there's 70,000 outstanding, I don't mm-hmm. think it's going to take a terribly long time to, mm-hmm. to By to the end reckon. of the week. I think certainly by the end of the week, although you should not take... Uh, forecasting advice from me. I'm, 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 <laughs> with that with caveat. So many really close races. Exactly right. And why do you think turnout was so low? 
I think people were not terribly excited by what was on the ballot. There is important stuff no matter what, but I but affordable housing bonds is not the thing that's mm-hmm. going to get most people up in the morning, especially people who have, you know, have their own house in many respects, who aren't thinking about, you know, what it's like to rent in San Francisco and try to find an apartment at, at an affordable rate, especially for a family, you mm-hmm. know. So I, I, I stuff like that I just think hasn't really galvanized people to get out and vote. I mean, the, the District 5 race is huge in District 5 and it means a lot to the mayor, but if you're not pretty politically engaged. I'm not sure how much you you thought, you know, especially if you're not in District 5, mm-hmm. how much you thought that this that this one really mattered. So, mm-hmm. and again, we just had an election. People would be forgiven, I think, in part for wondering why we're electing a mayor again all yeah, of a sudden. we just if, did that. We just did that. London Breed's now going to finish out the late, med, late mayor Ed Lee's term, which she was elected to do. That's it. Now she's got four years. Mm-hmm. So I think there just wasn't a lot of excitement. And I'm, I'm not sure that some of the wonky issues like, you know, rezoning large por- uh, parcels of uh, public land in San Francisco is 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 going to it's really going to uh, get people to to come out. I mean, I think things will be different in March and certainly in November. We will see yes. a lot a lot I think more. the turnout next November will be huge. Yeah, I reckon it will. <laughs> yeah. Well, if um, yesterday shows anything, it's that every vote counts. Absolutely. Again, the the close the, the close races are like two hundred and change apart. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really really matters. And and I just got to say again, I know it's frustrating to wait. People wonder I, again. You know, I think they could be forgiven for wondering why we can call a presidential race in a night, but we mm-hmm. can't call, you know, a San Francisco race for DA <laughs> in question. five days. Again, that's because if we're going to say every vote counts, we're going to have to count them all. And we're going to have to spend time looking at, you know, provisional ballots. Mm-hmm. What happens when your voter, you know, identification or your, I should say, your your voter eligibility can't be confirmed on the spot. They're going to give you a provisional ballot and you're going to be allowed to vote, but it's going to take time for them to say, okay, why is this a provisional ballot? What's weird about this person's you know, eligibility status to vote? And we want that stuff taken seriously. And I, I personally, as, a, as an editorial note, would prefer to have them spend time on it rather than rush it and screw it up, God forbid. So yeah. that's, that's why. Well, thanks for coming on and I hope you get some sleep tonight. Thank you. I'm, I'm going to go nap right now. Okay. Thanks to Dominic Fracasa for joining me today, to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and to you for listening. San Francisco City Insider is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief. If you like this show, please subscribe and give us a quick review wherever you get your podcasts. Support San Francisco City Insider and a lot of great journalism with a print or digital subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe. 